This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray um, and let's get into our study. God, we desire for you to speak to us this morning. God, you are always speaking. And so, God, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and a heart that is tender and sensitive towards you to believe and a life that is ready and willing to live out all that you tell us. God, we want to be changed by your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this story um, begins with Peter and John on their way um, to the temple for prayer. And so as they um, make their way through the crowded streets and marketplaces um, in Jerusalem at the time, um, on their way to the temple for prayer, at the same time, uh, a disabled man, um, a man who is crippled, he's lame, is being carried by his friends to the temple, not for prayer, um, but to sit outside the gate of the temple to beg for money and food. Um, Charles Swindle, who most of you know, gives us a superb description of this man when he says this. Everywhere the man went, someone had to carry him. He never knew the joy of standing, walking or running abilities most of us take for granted. He never knew a healthy day. He never knew a day that his legs were not as limp as a dish rag, no feeling, no movement, nothing but the prospect of another day begging for arms. Um, and so this man, um, he was a man living with a disability that made him physically unable to walk, therefore making him unable to work at the time and therefore making him poor. And so he survived. Um, and so the only way he survived was begging for money. And so uh, I was thinking about this and I was thinking as we live in the midst of this pandemic, um, we're all living under tough and strict restrictions. Um, we are restricted to our homes. We are um, limited to where we can go or how, how, how much time we can spend outside. There's uh, so many restrictions and these are tough for us all. Um, and but in our culture and wherever we live, for the elderly and vulnerable, these restrictions make life extremely tough. Um, uh, they may not have limited um, or physical limitations, but they're urged to stay home for safety's sake. And so, just like the lame beggar who is dependent on others for transfer, for transport, transportation and his next meal, those at risk in our communities 
need more of our help during this season. Eleanor and I are neighbors with an elderly woman um, and we don't know her. We've only been here for about a month, but we got to know her through one of our other neighbors and she informed us she was old and she had no family. And so what I love that my wife Eleanor did was when this whole outbreak began to happen is that she um, sent a note to her and just said, hey, you know, some something along the lines of, hey, we're Obed and Eleanor, we just moved here. Um, and if you ever need anything, if you ever need anything, just let us know, just let us know. And so today, um, she put a letter in our door and gave us a list of groceries she needs. Um, and so Eleanor's going to be going grocery shopping tomorrow and Eleanor's going to um, help her out. And so, especially in this season, most of you have neighbors and friends or relatives who may need help. And what I would encourage for you guys to do is to reach out to them. Don't wait for them to reach out to you for help. Actually reach out to them um, and ask them. Um, drop a letter in their mailbox and ask them for help. And so this lame beggar is placed at the gate um, by his friends to beg for money and food. Um, the gate is called a beautiful gate. And I bet some of you guys are asking why it's called a beautiful gate. It's easy. <laughs> they built the gate and it was stunning and it was beautiful in appearance. So the Jews back there were like, oh, okay, it's beautiful. So we'll call it a beautiful gate. And so that's why it's named the beautiful gate. And so this gate was a strategic location um, for a beggar like this man because uh, outside this gate, he will not only encounter lots and lots of people, but he will also encounter hundreds of thousands of devout Jews on their way to worship at the temple. And because of this, most of these Jews, they, their hearts and minds are probably way more compassionate and bent towards charitable goods, um, charitable deeds, more um, than they would be if they were in a marketplace. And so um, a beggar like this man will find way more success near the place for work, religious worship than the marketplace itself. Um, look at verse three again. Look at verse three. It says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Um, upon hearing this man's request, Peter and John both stop. Um, they look in his direction and say to him, look at us, verse four says. And so the lame man, like most people who live by asking others for money and food, was not used to people looking in his direction, let alone make eye contact with him. In fact, most of the time, people avoided any form of interaction with him and tried to pass by as quickly as possible. Maybe um, if he's lucky and people are having a good day, they will drop a coin in the cup and that was it. Off they went. And so he's totally caught off guard here by all of this. He He's caught off guard by the fact that Peter and John, these two are disciples, 
looked at him and made eye contact with him. And so what he does is he looks up at Peter and John and he looks up expecting to receive something from them. But Peter says to him in verse six, look at verse six, I have no silver and gold for you. Um, but what I do have, I give to you. Stop right there. You can imagine um, what's going on here. And, and so it, it, as soon as this man heard this, um, you can imagine how this would have affected him. Okay. The joy that had captured his imagination a few moments ago when Peter and John sim simply acknowledged him has now disappeared. Moments ago, when they looked at him, he was expecting to receive something from them. He was expecting to receive a few coins or some leftover food. And now they tell him they have none of that for him. Proverbs is a collection of wisdom sayings um, in the Old Testament. And I love the Proverbs. And there's a proverb um, found in Proverbs 13, 12, that describes what this man is going through at this point. Okay, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I want to I focus on that first part. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And most of you have heard that before. And it's so true, isn't it? Um, I'm sure we all know what it's like to have our hope deferred, where we have hope for something or someone promises us something. We have hope for it and then they, it, it doesn't happen or, um, um, you know, they take it away. And so that's kind of what's happened here. He, he's expecting them to give him something because they acknowledge him. And then Peter ends up telling him that he has no silver or gold for him. And so with all hope lost, the lame beggar then hears something that revives his hope. Um, look at the rest of verse six. It says, um, uh, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Look at verse seven. And he took him, um, that is Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Um, Ross Ramsey, he's an author that retells um, Bible stories. This is what he had to say um, about what just happened here. He says, the man could hardly believe what was happening. He had never stood up before, but all of a sudden, a strange and powerful sensation run, run through his ankles and feet as his atrophied muscles took shape and his tendons and joints aligned. Within a matter of seconds, his withered legs became strong enough that he jumped to his feet and began to leap for joy, praising God. Such an amazing experience um, he's having now. Here's a man who's never walked before. He was born um, crippled and disabled. And um, some commentators have said, you know, at this point, he was about 40 years old. And so 40 years <laughs> of not being able to walk and then 
one day, um, not expecting this as, at all, um, he is suddenly walking again. He's, you know, he's walking for the first time in his life. What an incredible experience this must have been. And uh, it was incredible because we know what happens next. Um, look at verses nine, verse um, nine says, so as he was, you know, as he walked around and he's, you know, singing praises, um, of, obviously news of his miraculous healing quickly spreads. And so verse nine says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for arms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Um, incredible. And so I love that um, the, the, the writer of this story, um, who is Luke, um, is not the only one um, giving witness to this. Um, obviously there are lots of people on that day at the temple and they all witnessed exactly what just happened um, and what just happened is the guy that they know to be crippled and lame that is always sitting by the um, the gate called beautiful um, he's now walking and praising God and so they are in wonder and they are amazed by everything that has happened. The crowds did not know how this beggar crippled since birth was suddenly able to leap and dance but there was no denying the fact that he could. Um, this was a man who remained outside by the gate asking for arms as a cripple. Now he's inside the temple jumping around praising God healed. Uh, that, now, there's so many lessons, so many good things and lessons from this, but I just want to point out two, all right? want to point out two, and during the week in your community groups, you'll be able to discuss uh, so many other lessons from this. The first one I want to highlight is we must be willing to respond to the needs of others, even if it interferes with our plans, Okay. That's the first. We must be willing to respond to the needs of others, even if it interferes with our plans. And so Peter and John were on their way to the temple for prayer. Um, and it sounds like the way it's communicated in verse one, that it's, it, you know, it's described as the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And so this is obviously a rhythm and something they participate in on a regular basis. It's part of their schedule. And so they're on their way to the temple for prayer. And so for them to stop and interact with a lame beggar was not part of their plan, but they were willing to do so. They were willing to do so. And so in the same way, um, we must be willing to respond to the needs around us and the needs of others, even if they interfere with our plans. And I'm not suggesting we should respond to everybody's needs. There's so many needs out there. There is. Um, I remember, um, um, you know, times in Charlie's Best Bread, it was um, Friday, or oh, I still remember Charlie. Is Charlie's best bread still there? Put your thumbs up if you know. Yeah, you, okay. I hope it is. <laughs> One of my favorite places. And on Friday and Saturdays, um, I would 
study there because it was my office. And there will be times when I am running out. I've got a lot to do on my sermon and I'm running out of time. <laughs> and then I would have one of the baristas suddenly want to have a conversation with me and talk about some of the issues they're going through and ask my advice. And it was so hard um, for me to um, figure out whether to like give them my time or not because I've got a lot to do and so you know there were times where I'd put my earphones in and put my shades on and you know be working um, and all of that but there are times when man like people wanted to talk and it was a great opportunity for God to use me as his instrument in their lives and so you've got to you've got to but you we've got to be sensitive to god and be in tune with the work of his spirit at times um we must let go of our plans so we may lay hold of god's plans and so um for some of you guys who are free spirited and spontaneous spontaneous as um a personality um you're loving this right now <laughs> you're very much like yeah yeah, may God interfere all my plans, every opportunity, you know, but for those, um, if you're a planner kind of person and like to get through your to-do list, your to-do lists, um, this whole idea is really challenging for you. You're like, oh gosh, like, you know, I've got things to do <laughs> and I don't have time for interferences, but God wants us to be willing to push pause on our plans to meet so that we can meet the needs of others. And so for the next three plus weeks, all right, or however long it is of self-isolation where um, most of us have a bit more time on our hands because we don't have to commute and we don't have a myriad of distractions and everything. It's important for us to be open to opportunities God brings our way so that people can encounter him. We must, even though we're um, um, you know, on lockdown, we must still be willing to respond to the needs around us, even if they interfere with our new way of life in these uncertain times. And so begin to think about that. Okay, number two, next lesson we can learn from this story is that we may not be able to give people what they want, but we can always offer them what they need. Let me say that again. We may not always be able to give people what they want, but we can always offer them what they need. Okay, the lame beggar wanted money. That was what he was there for, to get money and food and all of that. But Peter and John told him they do not have money to give him. And I don't think Peter and, you know, John, I don't think they were lying. <laughs> I think they were telling the truth, unlike some of us. And I've done this so many times where, you know, I'm, you know, going somewhere and there's a homeless person who's begging for money and I get really fearful and I don't want to give them money and they ask for money. And I'm like, I don't have any money when I have money, you know, <laughs> but I don't want to, t you know, so you're in a weird spot. But um, I, I don't think Peter and John were lying. Um, they were telling the truth here. But although they didn't have what he wanted, they ended up being instruments God used to give him what he needed. 
All right. And what he needed was a life changing encounter with God through Jesus. And so King's Cross Church, as we gather digitally through Zoom, our world is currently on mission to slow the spread of the coronavirus, to do everything possible to overcome this seemingly unstoppable virus. And this is a legit need. Absolutely should be on the it should be priority for all of us. And as followers of Jesus, we must continue to participate in the fight against COVID-19. But as we do, let us not lose sight of what the world needs right now. They may want a vaccine for coronavirus or more ventilators to help people survive, but the great need of the world has always been, and it definitely is right now, a life-changing encounter with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. The, the great enemy of the world is not coronavirus, okay? It's sin. Sin has been an epidemic ever since the fall. Sin has caused more deaths than any other virus known to man. And so as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we may not be able to give our friends and families and our neighbors what they want. That is freedom from coronavirus. But we can offer them what they need. And what they need is a life-changing encounter with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is exactly the experience this lame man had, right? What did Peter say to him? Peter said, um, I, you know, in verse six again, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it's only in Jesus's name that the world and people in the world can experience healing and deliverance. Okay? And so, a mighty act of God becomes an opportunity for the gospel. And let's see how that pans out. And so, when Peter saw that, you know, the crowd was struck with a mix of astonishment and fear, he raised his hand to get their attention. And he said, look at verse 12. He says, Men of Israel... Why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us why, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? In other words, what Peter is saying here is that, hey, we're not taking any credit for what just happened to this man. Um, the, the reason he's walking has nothing to do with us. In fact, it has nothing to do with our own power or godliness. And then in verses 13 to 15, Peter goes on to explain who Jesus was. He begins to reveal his identity to them. He reveals to them that Jesus was not just a brilliant rabbi, um, but he was actually the Messiah, God's servant, the holy and righteous one, the author of life. And so Peter doesn't just give God all the credit and reveal Jesus's identity, but he also 
begins to uncover a dark truth about the crowd that had gathered. Okay, he begins to reveal to them that they have blood on their hands, that they are guilty and responsible for the death of Jesus. Many of the people in the crowd that day had been there six weeks earlier when Jesus was forced to carry a wooden cross through those very streets after enduring extreme abuse from the bloody fists of Roman soldiers. Many of them had cried out six weeks ago, had cried out for Jesus's crucifixion. And so now you can imagine the confusion um, on their faces, okay? They're wondering what's happened to this man, okay? This man is healed and he's running and walking and praising God. What's happened to this man? And as soon as they, you know, they're asking that question, um, Peter begins to talk about how they are all guilty of um, contributing to the death of Jesus, right? All they wanted to know was how the crippled beggar was healed, but instead Peter begins to accuse them of, you know, Jesus's death, (laughs) right? And so I bet they're thinking, um, right, Peter, okay, 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 if we're you know, we've got blood on our hands and we're guilty of Jesus's death. What has this got to do with this man's healing? And so what Peter begins to do um, is he begins to tie the two together. Um, Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, um, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man um, this perfect health in the presence of you all. In other words, what Peter's saying here is that uh, the same Jesus you rejected, the same Jesus you killed, is the same Jesus who made this cripple man walk. In verses 17 onwards, Peter goes on to say that although they contributed to Jesus's death, they were ignorant. They didn't know what they were doing, but that doesn't get them off the hook. They're still very much guilty. And so in verse 19, he calls them to admit their wrongdoing and repent. And let's read verses 19 through to 24. It says, this is what Peter says to them. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And so people who came to see the lame man who had been healed did not expect to be told that they were guilty of the death of the Messiah. But after Peter helps them see this, he assures them that their sins can be forgiven through repentance. That's why Peter ends his message with this 
passionate plea for them to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, he, that, that's what he's doing here. And it's beautiful. They, and oftentimes that's what happens, isn't it? Most of us, before we were saved, we had no clue um, about our wrongdoing. We had no clue that we were guilty of actually contributing to Jesus's death through our sinful actions. It, it was our sins that put Jesus on the cross. It actually was. And it's amazing how um, just like the crowd, someone preached the gospel to us and helped us see how we were guilty, but we weren't left in our guilt and shame. We were, um, we, our eyes were turned to the gospel and the gospel of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done um, enables us to have an opportunity um, to know God and to experience God through forgiveness of sins and repentance. Um, and so that's what's happened. That's why Peter ends his message with a passionate plea. And he he just, he's talking about, you know, how God had not just sent his Messiah into the world. He had sent him to them, to the Jews. In all their guilt, they were known and invited to find refuge in the grace of God accomplished through the life, death and resurrection of the son of Jesus Christ. And God did not only send his Messiah to the Jewish crowds who had gathered in the temple that day, thousands of years ago, but he sent his Messiah, Jesus Christ, to us all, to every soul around the world. Okay, God sent Jesus Christ to redeem every soul that currently resides on this earth. Um, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, um, for those who are dealing with uh, the overwhelming fear and anxiety sparked by everything that is going on. Um, God sent Jesus um, um, to the medical professionals who are working ridiculous amounts of hours to save lives. God sent Jesus to every person currently receiving medical treatment now. God sent um, Jesus Christ to those who are replenishing shelves in grocery stores at the moment. Um, God sent Jesus to delivery drivers who are wearing gloves and masks to deliver packages on time. God sent Jesus to every parent doing their very best to educate and entertain their kids from home. God sent Jesus to redeem humanity. God sent Jesus to every family member right now around the world who is grieving the loss of a loved one to this deadly virus. God sent Jesus to every soul around the world trying to navigate through this dark moment in history. John 3.16 says it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This whole pandemic reminds us that there is 
a greater, darker and more dangerous pandemic. And that is sin. Not everyone will test positive for coronavirus, but everyone has tested positive for sin from birth. Just like the lame beggar, like he was lame and crippled from birth in the same way, we are all affected by sin from birth. And another truth about sin is that sin is eternally more destructive than the virus itself, than any other you know, issue we make, physical issue we may have. And even though there is no cure for the coronavirus, there is a known cure for sin. And that is that God looked at this world and he had mercy and he had love and decided he would do something about it, that he would send Jesus Christ to bring about healing and deliverance for those who are infected by sin and how he does that is through his church it's through his church it's through you and it's through every member of the local church that you are a part of you are instruments in god's hand um, to bring about healing and redemption to the people God has placed in your life. And so that's what God loves to do. This story communicates so much to us. And one of the things it communicates is that, man, when God does a mighty act, it's always an opportunity for the gospel. It just is. And so you might think, okay, um, I, I don't think I've experienced healing or I'm able to do any healing, actual healing. And, you know, that might be true. But uh, the, the, the idea of healing is not the only miracle God does. God saving you is a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> it's an amazing miracle. And that should be something you need to utilize in order to get to the gospel. Um, Your salvation story, the fact that God, um, you were blind, you were deaf to God himself, but God saved you and redeemed you, right? This is the gospel. This is the truth of what has happened to you. And so may you use that miracle and may you communicate the miracle of your salvation to others and may you use it as an opportunity to share the gospel with others so that they may praise God with everyone else um, that is praising God.